Welcome to the Expeditioners Podcast, where we speak with the folks who are leading the way in IT and security. I'm your host, Zach Wasserman, CTO of Fleet and co-creator of OS Query. Now, on with the expedition. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Zach Wasserman, and I'm joined today by Bradley Chambers, who covers enterprise technology for 9to5Mac and is also the host of the Apple at Work podcast. Besides that, he's got a day job at, at Cribble. And, and Bradley, why don't you tell us more about uh, what you're up to and how you got into the, the world of Mac OS? Hey, Zach, glad to be here. Uh, you, you know, that actually will take take us back almost 20 years at this point. Um, so I, I was a PC guy growing up. Uh, first Apple product, um, you know, was the iPod. And I remember getting my first iPod. Oddly enough, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't pay for it. Uh, you remember the TiVo, Zach? Remember the TiVo, the DVR? Sure, yeah, love, like skip the commercials. Yes, I love the TiVo. I uh, was a big TiVo guy, and I loved the Series 2. I was on, like, the forums where you were trying to, like, you could hack the TiVo and put in bigger hard drives. And uh, TiVo had, like, a really good referral program at the time, and I, like, I, I'm a natural evangelist, so I told everybody I knew about TiVo. I mean, again, this is, like, you know, 2001, 2002. I mean, you didn't have, there weren't, like, DDRs from Comcast yet. And so I referred so many people to TiVo. I got a free iPod through the referral program, and that was my first Apple product. And uh, at the time, I was doing tech support um, for an ISP, uh, local ISP in Ringgold, Georgia. And um, you know, if you if you've been in technology, you work in technology, um, you should should strive to do tech support at some point. Like you will learn a lot from doing tech support about every aspect of technology. Um, um, before that I worked in retail and I always tell people like everybody needs to work in a job where you have to deal with the public. So that's wet tables, retail, tech support. Like you learn a lot about people. Um, so a guy I worked with at the time, his name was Doug McNish. Um, he was a big Mac guy and, uh, he brought in his Mac and we, I kind of, we, we both worked second shift. It was like a small ISP. So literally it would be me and him in the building taking phone calls. And I actually really enjoyed the job. It's, uh, I'm a, I'm a task completer. So like, you know, tickets, get the tickets closed. But anyways, he, um, he used to, you know, he would have his Mac at work, old PowerBook G4. And I just thought it was amazing. Uh, he had this app, uh, you're going to die when I bring this app up. It's called stickies. I thought stickies was the coolest <laughs> app in the world. And oddly enough, it's like still the same on Mac OS. Uh, and it's, it doesn't sync. It doesn't do anything, but by gosh, like it, it's, it saves everything. And I ended up getting a PowerBook G4 and I just like sold my PC. And from then on, like, I just, I just love, uh, OS 10. Like I, I mean, my first OS 10 version was my Mac came with Panther. Then I upgraded the tiger. I mean, this is back in the days of when you had to buy the disc, it was $129. And I, you know, it's like, you know, you like thinking back, like, Oh my gosh, like who, who would do that? But so I, I stayed at the, uh, ISP for a number of years, kind of worked my way up in that, at that place, loved it. Um, but then I had the opportunity, I got, I got approached by a school here in Chattanooga. They, you know, had become pretty proficient in the Mac since then. Like, I, you know, it was, and this was around the time when like Apple was getting more popular, uh, in schools. Again, this is pre iPad iPhone was already kind of a lot there. So I went to, um, a private school here in Chattanooga. Chattanooga is one of the largest, uh, has like probably the, one of the largest percent of kids in private school, um, uh, in the country, like over a quarter of the kids in the, and the county and the slash city are in private school. So tons of opportunity here. So I did that. Uh, and it really, you know, kind of then fell in love with Mac. And, and again, this is like pre, this is like, you know, 
pre-iPad. This is before like the MDM protocols were really established. Uh, I mean, you were still uh, like the way you deployed Macs, it, you know, it seems very antiquated uh, based on today's standards like this. You, know, you had an image, you deployed the image manually like it, you know, there was no scalability. Um and then, again, was there for 12-plus years during that time. Obviously, the iPad came out. The MDM protocol um, really exploded. And uh, about that time, I did a podcast with uh, Fraser Spears. Uh, we did a podcast for five-plus years called Out of School. Um, and that show was all about K-12 uh, technology. And uh, Fraser is very well known uh, for being the first one-to-one -one iPad school in, in the world. So uh, they they literally did iPads like that that fall after they released the entire school. So, um, yeah, again, was was just over the, over those years, fell in love with the Mac, the iPad, everything management. Uh, you know, we were talking before the show. Um, I mean, this is – I remember when, like, the App Store just first came out and we had, like, iPod Touches that you would deploy apps in bulk. Like, again, this was, like, pre – volume purchase program, but you were syncing. I mean, I, I was plugging up 30 plus iPad, 30 plus iPod touches to a single Mac and syncing apps. I mean, this is how old this was. And then, so whenever I hear any like Apple admin, like complain about anything today, I kind of want to be like, look, I can from a portal hit a button, deploy a thousand apps around the world to a thousand devices with the click of a button. Like things are pretty good. Um, so yeah, that did that for 12 plus years. And then uh, along the way started, um, uh, writing a little bit for nine to five Mac, um, on the side, just, just cause I really enjoyed it. Like I really in love talking to, um, you know, people in the space. I think, uh, Apple has done a really nice job in the enterprise, uh, of really putting users first and, um, creating devices that people really just love to use. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Uh, after 12 plus years, uh, um, uh, went to work for a company known as Cribble, and uh, we're uh, we our main product is we build an observability pipeline uh, uh, product called Cribble Stream that helps uh, companies as they're dealing with um, observability data, security data, telemetry data, help them to route that better. So, um, um, so in the beginning, I still I still love the Apple management space. I still do a lot of tinkering, still do a lot of researching, talk, still talk to a lot of people. Uh, again, just because I love the Mac uh, more so more so than the the iPhone and the iPad. I love the Mac, and I think it's just a beautiful platform. Totally. Awesome. And I'd, I'd love to dig in more to the data stuff with Curl, but first I want to dig a little more into your story because I find it so interesting to see how many of the folks working uh, in, in the Mac world in enterprises these days got their start in K-12 IT. And I'm really interested in, in kind of thinking about stories and narratives and, and how this happened. And I imagine you are as well uh, as being a, a reporter like that uh, for nine to five Mac. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think are the factors that led to so many people starting in K to twelve and and moving to large enterprises and and uh, this this sort of professionalization or enterprisation of of Mac management, if you will. In K-12, there became this shift of that computing devices were for creation of, um, not that I'm trying to think of the word, like creation of multimedia. So whether that be um, iMovie, whether that be uh, Adobe Photoshop, again, pre-Creative Cloud, like it was computers are more than just for typing reports. Um, they can be used for that, and they should. 
but uh, in an era of AI, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how that'll go. But I, so I think we just saw this like personalization factor with with K twelve, and then uh, they were looking for something. And again, this was um, when when you know think of like the Windows XP SP two worlds with respect to like you know PCs were it was a kind of a rough time period for assisted men and the Macs were just like a breath of fresh air. Um, they were a joy to use. And this is around the time again, iPhone computers, computers were getting more personable. So iPhone people loved to use, it had the app store and, and it was just like this ecosystem. Um, and then, so you, you asked the question, like why did a, do a lot of people get their start in K-12? Cause I think there was that a little bit of like the ex- experimentation uh, that happened. And then again, as the enterprise world evolved, um, at, you know, at the time when you know, iPhone, and iPhone, iPhone and iPad were still growing, uh, you saw this real move to cloud services, SaaS services. And um, there was like, hey, the, the people, like the IT folks in the K-12 are like laser focused on letting technology be an innovation hub. Um, they're, they're laser focused on making sure their users are happy. And I think, you know, you're, you're seeing that resurgence in the enterprise as well. So there's like, like you remember, uh, Nick Burns from the old SNL skits, like your company's computer guy, like the jerk, you know, like th- those IT guys don't make it anymore. I mean, like, so like true, uh, true IT professionals, um, you know, the, or I would say the best ones. So they see IT as an innovation hub. Now it's not a cost center. It's not a, Got to, you know, we're going to reboot the servers every night. Things are always broken. It's like now it's like, hey, we're, we're an innovation hub. We're not a cost control, not, not a cost center. We're not just an expense. Like we're an innovation hub. And I think a lot of that, again, stems from the K-12 experience. Yeah, and I think that users sense that as well. And that's that's a big part of why, particularly in these newer, highly innovated companies, let's say five to 10 years ago, Mac started becoming the the platform of choice for particularly developers and have always been for the most creative types, uh, the the designers and, and the, the photo, video, audio kind of people. But I think that's that's also why it's becoming the, the tool of choice across kind of everyone in the enterprise um, is is perhaps Apple's focus on the user experience plus the 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 focus of the of the Mac IT folks, the Mac admins on that and the community that's built up around that. No, you know, I don't think um, you make a good point. The Mac admins community, um, I really think is a tight knit group. And and I think a lot of the companies in the space have recognized that. I mean, I see on multiple uh, companies like Footers, they link to like the Mac admins community website. They, you know, obviously, there's the foundation um, that has sprung up around that now. And, and, it, and it's really this like collaborative group of people that, you know, I always tell people like the, the Mac admins are still kind of in this like wartime mode where we're like, we're just trying to survive and trying to be relevant. Uh, and the Mac's not there anymore. Like Apple and the enterprise is like not going away. I think I heard um, um, somebody, somebody predicts one CEO predicted like by 2030, Apple is the number one endpoint in the enterprise. And it's like, for those of us like old timers, I mean, we were just thrilled when the Mac could get an exchange connection natively. Um, I mean, that's, but that's, that's, that's what it was. Like you used to be like the one Mac guy at the company and like, you didn't, you, you know, there was no help. Like you, if you, you had to figure out a print, um, I mean, and then slowly, 
Like I would even argue like Apple, it's easier to set up a Microsoft 365 email connection on the Mac than it is on the PC today. Um, But because Apple really focused on the end user, but at the same time, like built up scalability tools um, that, that IT professionals really love now. Um, I mean, it, it, I really think it's truly easier to deploy uh, 200, deploy and manage 250 Macs than it is to deploy and manage 250 PCs. Uh, somebody, people may disagree with me on that, but I, I really think like that, that process is really incredible. Um, I think Apple Silicon has, has, is going to be one of the greatest computing chips of my lifetime, if not the greatest. Uh, I used to would say um, it was going to be like uh, the death of spinning platter hard drives. But like I'm sitting here talking to you on, a, you know, like the original Apple MacBook Air that from Apple Silicon, and it's like the greatest. Like it's great. Like it's a great computer, and it's like the first time you can tell people like, "Hey, what, what computer should I buy?" Like just get. The, the, the old Apple Silicon Mac, like it's so great. Like there, it's just, I don't know, like everything's great. Like I, I, it's where I like when people, I think people sometimes get negative. Oh, Apple hasn't released like the next iPhone. It's like, I don't want the next iPhone. Like I just want the Mac. To me, the Mac is the greatest tool. Um, and it's just such a great time to be a Mac admin. It's such a great time to be a Mac user. Uh, we have great tools. Mac OS is great. The hardware is great. Like the management tools are great. And I'll, I'll be honest too, what you can be running a Mac that has endpoint security on it and like not ever know. You couldn't say that about PC. You can't, I don't think you can say that about PC tools. Like when you get like all of the security protocols on there that companies need for compliance, the PC people, I believe, feel it. And the Mac people are like, I don't even know that that's there. I wouldn't even have known if I didn't have to accept it when it launched. Like, it's just a great time. Yeah, that, that that's awesome. And as someone who's got a ton of experience in the in the Mac space, what are your recommendations for folks who are looking at this potential mountain of data coming out of their Macs and going, you know, what should I keep? How do I make sense of all of this? How do you think about doing that on, on Macs? Well, I, I mean, I think the first thing is you've got to get the a good endpoint security tool um, in place. Um, I mean, I, you know, it kind of goes back to like the discussion of like, are the Macs secure or are they not? Well, the Mac is very secure. X, you know, Apple has like a lot of great built-in um, uh, tools to keep the Mac secure. Um, I'm excited about rapid security updates. Uh, there's some been some, you know, some looks like some troubles drawing that out, but like that's really, really good. Uh, and, you know, we've really come a long way from the time period where we're like, hey, you're gonna, we're gonna deploy new software, you know, six months after Apple releases it. Now you're like, we, have, you know, Apple released a new OS update. Like, we need this 100% of to our fleet tomorrow uh, because of, you know, you've got to stay at a security, um, especially like when we're entering the the beta season of of Mac OS and iOS and iPad OS. You know, companies need to be planning on how they're going to deploy this. Um, but despite you know how good the Mac security is, being secure isn't just enough. You have to prove it sometimes, uh, depending on like what compliances you need to to go with. Especially like you know in remote environments, um, it's no longer the world where like you can kind of count on the enterprise firewall protecting things and you can assume location. I mean, you're you know you think about it like um, you have that. Let's say you have a thousand employees thousand different locations. They might be coffee shop, um, home, uh, hotel, airports. I mean, they, they're going to be everywhere. It's like the firewall, the corporate firewall is somewhat irrelevant. Um, and, and again, you may not even have your own data center. You may be running across multiple clouds. You may have, you know, you've got Google for email. You've got, you know, Salesforce for this. You've got using Google Cloud for that, like you know, Amazon, like 
And, and so it's really more getting into place endpoint security uh, first. It's really reliable and knowing and you know, getting to the place where like, you know what data you need to collect. Uh, so again, you know, it's not just the Macs. It's also then like, what services do you have? So like if you're, you know, email services, if you're using an IDP, uh, you know, it's, it's like, it's not just the, dev- it's, it's about the device, but it's not just the device. You also have to think of like, where do, um, where are employees like logging in and what are they accessing? Yeah, totally. And this is something that we see with our customers so much is like, you've got devices everywhere and the network is no longer the place where you can, where you can do your security. You need to be on the device. You need to be collecting that data and you need to be actively managing it. So it's, I'm always excited to, to hear folks talking about that. And I'm excited to see Apple making uh, some more advances in terms of what kind of data can be collected on the devices, new work like the, the endpoint security framework uh, that, that we've now got on, on Mac OS over the last few releases, I think is really helping us step further into the, the enterprise maturity on Mac OS. And I, and I suspect, like I do think that Apple is doing a great job with uh, building a secure operating system, but I suspect uh, you know you you were talking about analysts expecting that macOS will be the dominant computing platform uh, on, on workstations. Well, I think certainly the threats are going to be increasing on it, and so I think it's good to see that Apple is working proactively on helping us get that that visibility there. Well, no, I think I, I wrote a I wrote an article um, last week like. You know, Apple really, you know, they kind of control the the MDM protocol. I mean, everybody's kind of the base layer is at what Apple controls. Um, and again, every company is like, I, I would say like it's a layer one, layer two thing. So like every company is playing by the same roles on layer one. So these APIs Apple implements that that really protect the user experience. I think, and that's great. Like, and and the fun stuff that that like companies do to make their products different at the layer two and layer three level. Um, but again, that base layer is, is foundational. It's a protocol. And I think that's like really good and smart on Apple's point because it protects the user experience. And Apple doesn't want to be in the situation Microsoft was in 20 years ago where people use Microsoft tools at work. But they didn't love Microsoft tools at work. I mean, they, 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 you know, and it's like, now it's like, you could tell me like, Hey, Bradley, we will give you a PC for your job or you can buy your own Mac and I will buy my own Mac all day long. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people that like would say that, like, I just prefer to use a Mac. I like my shortcuts. I like my, that my utilities I use. Like I just, I have, these are my workloads. It's no different than like a carpenter has their favorite drill that they use and they would probably bring their own if they had to, like, it's, it's just a tool for my job. And and, and so by Apple protecting user experience, again, you got, they're building in, they, they have the input security API. They're, they're acknowledging like, hey, we want to be a great endpoint for security and IT teams, but we also want to be a great experience for users. Like, let's do both. And it's a situation where like they're saying like you can have your cake and eat it too. And I think they're doing a really, really good job. Now, not perfect. Like I, you know, again, so there's some wonkiness with software update protocol right now. There's some wonkiness with rapid security updates. Like, sure. Like I acknowledge like this, it's not perfect, um, but uh, it could be a lot worse. 
Yeah, totally. And, and talking about the new stuff that's coming out. So, so this week while we're recording this podcast, WWDC is happening, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what the what the interesting stuff is that you've seen coming out of that. Particularly on on the enterprise side. I mean, we've seen the splashy, uh, we've seen the splashy things like the Vision Pro, and uh, but how about on the enterprise side? What's exciting to you or interesting to you that's come out there? And maybe you and I can both kind of share our ideas of, of what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, um, I tell you that one of the things I'm most excited about is past keys. Um, and we saw, you know, and that's kind of been, you know, dangled over the past few, um, years. And of course I've been, you know, hearing about Fido Alliance updates for years. And like, it really seems like this is a gradually then suddenly roll out. Um, uh, like we're seeing one of the things this year is, um, past keys, um, uh, can be used with managed Apple IDs and iCloud Keychain, so that, I think that's a nice update. Again, it's you know there's going to be plenty of companies who are going, not going to use iCloud Keychain. They're going to be using you know a, a one password, uh, a dash lane, you, you know, bit word like that, you know. But like it's again, it's it's past keys in more places, so I think that's really really good. Um, again, this is and it's just this is a minor thing, like but this is like where Apple's getting with uh, kind of after that high paying fruit. Well, I mean you're seeing. Uh, 802.1x support on Ethernet for Apple TV. Like, why does that matter? I don't know. Like, the, but there's probably like five people that need that, and that's going to make their life easier. And it's like Apple's just gotten to a really cool place with the enterprise where a lot of the foundation has been laid. And um, yeah, like, I think that's really cool. The other thing I'm really excited about, and, and I'll let you jump in, is um, some work on private 5G LTE networks. Like, again, not something uh, like a remote employee is going to use, but I think in like large warehouse environments where they may be using iPhones and iPads, like in, in, in out in the warehouse, uh, you can build these like private 5G networks that are a heck of a lot more stable than Wi Fi networks. Well, Apple's building in some. Um, functionality in there for the enterprise. So again, so like you can automatically activate like a private uh, 5G network when like an iPhone walks into the building and then just disable it when it leaves. And it's like, again, not something, you know, you or I are going to use, but it makes it where like the iPhone becomes for the people that need that. It's a more reliable device. Well, wow, that's really interesting. I had, I had no idea about uh, the, the networking stuff that you're describing. And uh, and I think it's it's interesting that you mentioned passkeys because that was one of the one of the exciting things that I noticed because uh, I'm particularly interested in and in kind of the the MDM related stuff of course and uh, and device attestation. So something that I noticed was that uh, was that they've added the ability to do device attestation through passkeys, where the passkeys will be able to include basically a claim that comes from a certificate an MDM issued certificate on the device which will allow us then to use passkeys to see um, you know that this is a managed device and understand more information uh, about that I think that's a really cool one coming up and the other thing we, we talked about it a bit earlier as well uh, on the endpoint security framework they've added some great new events there in particular um mdm profile uh install and removal and there uh, i think that's coming in in mac os sonoma and then uh the use of of sudo and su commands so i love to see the further investment on the endpoint security side 
Yeah, well, another thing too that I think is really cool, and and, and I joked when the Apple Watch came out, like this will eventually come to MDM, and it is. Um, and again, like I don't even wear an Apple Watch, so like this doesn't certainly doesn't affect me. But you think like, why would the Apple Watch need MDM support? Well, I mean. There's an opportunity. Let's say, again, you work in a factory. Well, you've got the Apple Watch feature that detects loud noises. Well, oh, okay. Like that, there's an interesting approach there. Again, it's like not going to affect everybody. It's not going to affect most companies. But there may be like a safety protocol for wearing Apple Watches in noisy you know, places where it can detect decibels. You know, again, and so again, it, it, it's, you know, it has to be paired to a supervised iPhone. Again, not gonna not gonna be something that every company's gonna care about, but there are companies that are gonna care about that. And like the, now, it's a actually something you could deploy. Totally, yeah, yeah. And I think that that Apple enabling folks to envision whatever the the use cases are that they have is is super important. And so I'm glad to see I'm glad to see that that you know continued investment in, in integration in um, in macOS itself. And and looking forward to kind of seeing the the future of what folks build. And so we, we've talked through this episode a bit about kind of the past, the present of macOS, and and the near future. I wonder about your thoughts on the on the further future. You know, what is what is uh, particularly in the enterprise and particularly on the macOS side? Any thoughts that you have on on where Apple's headed and where the industry's headed over the next five years? You know that's a tough one. So we saw um, we saw Apple's entrance into the headset world, and there's a part of me that like is okay. That is super interesting technology, but then a part of me also says like, I don't know that I like this technology, and and I think that's probably like my age a little bit. Like I I, I feel. I do you remember? Um, did you ever watch The Office, Zach? Like the, oh, yeah. the American version. So do you remember like the episode? I think it was like season three, episode one. Like. Ryan comes in and he's got his Blackberry and like, he, you know, they're giving him out to everybody to Blackberries and like Stanley's like, how do you, you know, it's like clearly doesn't want to use this. I feel like I'm Stanley and we're like, uh, like we're like, this is cool. Like I can acknowledge this is cool technology, but like, I almost don't think it's for me um, where I don't want technology. I'm, I think I'm, I'm at peak screen. So, like, if this technology can replace my time with a Mac, well, then it's interesting. But, like, I don't want more screens in my life after my work. So, like, I think I am starting to view technology more as simply a tool for my job versus, like, a um, something a lot like 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 as a hobby. Where I, So I think really the future, uh, and not necessarily in the enterprise, but I think the future of technology is in more passive technology to where, like I wouldn't mind a world where I'm wearing a very, very small AirPod in one ear all day long. And, I, you know, it's like, again, so like if you, if you said like, you know, do, do you want a world where you have uh, glasses on that look like regular glasses that can overlay information? Or do you want a world, do you have like a really small AirPod? Like I want the really small AirPod and I want audio driven technology. So again, it can, you know, pop in and, and, and tell me like, Hey, you've got a, you've got a meeting or Hey, um, it's going to rain in an hour versus like having glasses on my face, um, you know, out there. Cause it's like, I want to, you know, I, I want to go experience reality versus kind of like being an augmented version of it. Uh, but I, I think, Apple is on this, you know, particularly in the enterprise, though, you know, circling back, is it's on this really nice cadence of iterative updates every year. Um, 
that make the Mac slightly better for everyone without completely overhauling everything. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be a day when iOS and Mac OS, we get these rapid up, you know, updates like we had in iOS 7. Uh, but I think it's better for everybody that we have like iterative updates year after year that make it slightly easier to manage, slightly more enjoyable for the user, and then really slightly more reliable. Uh, and I think that may be the unsung hero of the decade right now is hardware reliability. Um, again, like going back to Apple Silicon, I think the battery in this, my original November 2020 Apple Silicon M1 Mac, that'll die well before that feel the weight of the processor. And again, like you, you know, this is because computer's two and a half years old. If I have a two and a half year old Intel Mac, I mean, can you imagine how bad this thing, this fan spins up? You know, but again, like that's, we soon forget like how great this computer is. Like, you know, it's, oh, you know, that's, you know, I got to get, I got to get the latest one. Like, no, the original Apple Silicon Mac, if they had just stopped right there, it's still the best computer on the market. I would, I would say it's a more, it's a better computer than anything any PC manufacturer has released since then. It's such a great computer. Um, And it's, I think it's just like the golden era to be a Mac user. I'm sitting here on my Intel Mac, uh, listening to the fan spin, a bit jealous of you, Bradley, but I'm begging Apple to make the virtualization, running virtual machines better on on Apple Silicon. Uh, It's still really hard to do MDM testing and um, especially to to run uh, Linux and and Windows VMs. So if you're someone who has to do cross-platform development like me, Please, Apple, make our lives better because I want to be on that Apple Silicon. Now, what you got to do, you need to get you an Intel Mac Mini, put that thing in a closet, and just do screen share for your testing there. I'd probably, it'd probably be faster. I get you. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, you got to get an Apple Silicon Mac. That needs to be your 2023 goal is just to get you an Apple Silicon Mac. <laughs> like, once you, once you, like, like I had somebody recently, they had, they were coming from like a 2019 MacBook Pro, souped up, and they're like, what you know? What computer should I get? I'm like, you could literally get the cheapest Apple Silicon Mac, and like, it's just great. No, and and two, like, you know, with Apple keeping that Mac in the lineup, and I've been saying this, like, that's the business computer. I think, like, I think you know, you're going and buying five thousand computers right now. Like, people say, oh, for two hundred dollars more, you get the newest one. Like, yeah, you're if you're buying, you know, fifty thousand devices at a time, like two hundred dollars uh, difference in machine price adds a lot. Like that Apple Silicon M1 Mac. That is the workhorse machine. That's the machine that you can give to students. That's the machine that you can give to, you know, you're opening up a call center. You can put that Mac in there. Uh, you're you're drop shipping a Mac to everybody. For that price point, I, I again, like, such a great computer. And I know people think, gosh, why is, is he in love with this computer? Yes, I'm in love. For that price point, what you get on the reliability you get with that hardware, and, again, especially in the age of, like, remote work, you need hardware to be reliable, um, and Apple has really accomplished that with, with Apple Silicon. Love it. Love your enthusiasm there, Bradley. So, hey, thank you so much for joining us on, on the show today. And where can people find you beyond this? Are you going to be at any conferences this summer, or, or where should folks find you online? Yeah, uh, I'm uh, best place is LinkedIn. I uh, still have a Twitter account, but I never tweet, and uh, I really just kind of have an empty account. I mainly read it for for news. I think I figured out a long time ago, um, tweeting can only kind of get you in trouble. Um, so I really, I I, uh, I um, just have a really empty Twitter account. But I do love Twitter. That's a great it's a great way to, to follow people. But now LinkedIn's a uh, best place. Uh, conference is not 100 percent sure uh, yet. Um, 
Uh, I'm sure I'll be floating around some of the Amazon conferences later this fall. Um, but, um, uh, but Cribble is hosting its first user conference this summer. I'll be at that. It's uh, cribblecon.cribble.io. So it's a, our uh, customer conference. We're really excited about that. That'll be in July in Las Vegas. Uh, but again, love to connect with any of your um, uh, listeners on LinkedIn. I actually, like, it's funny. When Microsoft bought LinkedIn, I thought, like, why do they need that? And, like, the thing is, I love LinkedIn. Like, LinkedIn is where I can, like, go. People are generally on their best behavior. They're talking about business and things like that. I'm like, I love LinkedIn. It's kind of like the it's like the professional social network. It's fantastic. But, yeah, Microsoft made a great acquisition with that because, you know, like, Facebook, you know, kind of did its thing. Twitter's kind of become its thing. Uh, I don't really have any interest in Mastodon just because I don't really want another another app. Like, I don't need another place to read stuff. But like LinkedIn, I I like because I guess I really keep up with what's what's happening in the business world. I appreciate LinkedIn as well. Awesome. So so listeners, uh, find Bradley on LinkedIn, and and we'll try to drop a link in the show notes. Bradley, thanks again for coming on today. I really appreciate you, and and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Zach.